0: Oh, man, it's raining. That's nice. Uh, All right, open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, this is Joshua's last and final speech to the people. Um, I'm going to attempt to preach for a shorter amount of time um, so that we can have a Chunky a time of us hearing prophetic words, because I know that there's people in this room that have been listening to God and having prophetic words, and so uh, we want to, after this, this message, we want to release people to speak prophetic words, and uh, we want to pray into those, and then we're going to finalize our time together with having communion, but can we pray, just pray, God, I pray that you'd release prophetic words among us. God, we want clear, prophetic, weighty words. Weighty words that are not just for this moment, even though we'll take words that are for the moment. We want weighty words for our movement as we look forward into the things that you're calling us to. Uh, Would you release that amongst us, God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, all right. So Joshua is giving his final words to these people and this is a weighty moment this is his last and final words and you can feel the weight of what is happening and joshua wants the people not to forget he he wants the people to remember who their god is and his desire is that they would follow, follow god and this is something that speaks to us in our current cultural moment right now This is something that we need to hear. It speaks to us. And even as we're looking, listening to Joshua's final words, we can feel the intensity of the moment back then, but I want us to feel the intensity of the moment right now, because if we don't heed these words, there's much at stake. Joshua is about to die and he's not going to be with them any longer to lead them. They've been on this campaign for the last five years in war in the promised land and he knows he's about to die it's been five years and the big question that he has is and as we're reading the story is will the people of god remain faithful to their god that is that is what is concerning joshua and so we get his final words the instruction that he's about to give the these people and so for us we face the same challenges today right now in america we know that more and more people are leaving the faith more and more people are becoming nuns n-o-n-e-s chad talked about it this morning more and more people are leaving the christian faith and it's a significant problem each succeeding generation is identifying with being a christian less and less and our current Cultural moment. Our culture is militant in opposition of Christianity. There is an all-out rejection of Christianity. Just about every biblical ethic that we all hold to and affirm is being challenged. And people are out and out resistant of Christianity. And right now, our younger generation are growing up in this moment with this militant propaganda that is trying to influence their hearts and their minds. So the question for us is what are we going to do about it? What is the moment for us right now? It's looking like things are getting worse and worse. All the stats are telling us that things are getting worse and worse. So I mean, the big question that we should be asking ourselves is what are we gonna do? What's the solution? evil thing and so let's all just gather together in christian huddles and protect ourselves from the big bad world are are we going to ignore it ignore what's happening and be distracted with our own busy lives what are we going to do we need to know what to do in this moment as we look at joshua's final words i think we get some key insights on what we are to do what's the instruction for us How are we to lead in this moment? How are we to be faithful in our moment, in this current, in our current generation? I mean, Joshua gives us some leadership lessons. And so it's a good three-point sermon for you tonight. I got three points. Uh, It's a huge chapter. We're not gonna be able to talk about it all, but I just wanna pull out three points that I think are absolutely crucial and essential for us as leaders to lead in this moment, faithful followers of Jesus. So here's the first one. Joshua read gospels the people. He calls all the people together. Every single person, there's this massive assembly, and these are his final words. Joshua chapter 24, verse two. Here's what he says. I'm gonna read a long, chunky portion of scripture. And uh, you guys are savvy leaders. So as we're leading this, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to think about the gospel that we profess and find the gospel in Joshua's speech right here. All right? Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abram and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I, I brought you out. When I brought you... Brought your people out of Egypt. You came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen, and as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of their land. But when Balak, the son of Zippor, and the king of Moab prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hands. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gerashites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hand. I set the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, you and the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword or bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil in cities. You did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Joshua wants to read gospel. He's telling the story. He's calling them to remember all that God has done for them. One of the ways that we strengthen ourselves is to remind ourselves where we've come from. We remember that God has powerfully worked in our lives. And he's brought us where we are at today. God is saving his people. God has saved his people. God has delivered his people. God is blessing his people. And this is the story that Joshua wants to present to the people. He wants them to know their story. And in this story, Joshua includes all of the story. This was a story where Abraham wasn't deserving Rigby talked about this last night. Abraham wasn't this amazing guy. He was like, well, I've looked at all the religions, and I'm still found wanting. I'm searching for the one true God. No, he was a pagan worshiping other gods, and God broke into his life a gospel. This is a gospel of grace, and we see that this story, because Joshua has brought the people to the very place that Abraham was called. 600 years of history Joshua is recounting to the people and he's telling the story and the story wasn't expedited It was little by little they took the land 600 years 400 of those years they were in slavery I mean, I don't know about you, but like I wish my sanctification process would would go quickly Like I wish my wife's sanctification process would go quickly Yeah not little by little they took the land yeah so throughout this story we see that, that God is faithful and he's committed to his people he's faithful to the promise and this is the gospel message for us this is the gospel message Joshua wants to root the people in their story of their salvation And if we are going to know what to do in this current cultural moment, we have to understand that we have been, we are gospel people, and we need to re-gospel ourselves. We need to constantly and continually remind our people of the gospel. We need to be inviting people to the gospel message, and we need to be reminding our people of the gospel message. In the gospel story, when we understand the gospel, we have an understanding of our identity, We know who we are. So in a world where there's chaos and confusion and a bunch of people questioning, who am I? I don't know who I am. And wandering about swaying through the chaos of our world, the gospel all of a sudden roots us and we're grounded in an identity that I am in Christ. Because of Jesus, I am a son of God. And when we're rooted in the gospel, it gives us purpose and meaning. It sets our course and it gives us confidence. If we re gospel ourselves, confidence will grow in our hearts. If we re gospel our churches and our people and the people that we provide oversight for, it will build courage and confidence in people's hearts. Man, and right now, there's so many Christians that are insecure. So many Christians that are questioning right now. They're insecure, they're doubting, they're lacking faith. And what we need to bring to our people is a level of confidence. That's what our current cultural moment needs. I went on a sabbatical uh, this last summer, and uh, it's an interesting experience. For 10 weeks, I'm not allowed to be in Christian community with my brothers and sisters. They banished me. And so we're, we're out. We're supposed to be resting. And so I'm going to church. And I'm attending different church services and sometimes just for the fun of it, i go to two different churches on the same Sunday and experience, you know, some churches around our city. And at the same time, we're separated from Christian community. And as we're separated from Christian community and we're just having a front row account of the chaos of this world and the darkness of this world. So, I mean, two things are happening. I'm I'm away from Christian community, and I'm experiencing just the darkness of the world. It's becoming very real. When I was on sabbatical, away from Christian community, I was experiencing darkness. And I found myself wanting to go to a gathering of believers that would shepherd my heart to Jesus. Where I could walk in, and someone can declare the greatness of Jesus. And my heart swelled with confidence, yes, I'm believing in the one who reigns. And I don't want to be disparaging against churches, but I went into church after church and I found myself wanting. Because I could feel the intensity of the darkness of the world and inside the church, the intensity of the gospel is not matched. And I left leaving church service going, man, I need someone to shepherd my heart to Jesus. And this is what we need to do in this moment. And we need to tell people the story that they're in. This is absolutely essential. The gospel tells us the story that we are in, and we are story people. We can't help but be story people. Our imaginations places us in a story. We can't find meaning if we don't place ourselves in a story. In our current cultural moment, our society is giving us a narrative that is false and will lead to destruction. And so our people are out in the world and they're being bombarded with a a, a narrative that is contrary to the message that we profess as followers of Jesus. And if that is the loudest voice in their ears, they'll start to believe that they're in that story. And so we, as the church, we need to constantly root ourselves in the story that we profess. This is absolutely essential that we make much of Jesus that we make much of the gospel. Like practically, how do we do this then? We need to point to Jesus. When When we start our service, hey, welcome, we're all about Jesus. And what do we sing about? We sing songs about Jesus. When we observe communion, we're talking about the story of Jesus, where Jesus is the hero of the story. When we're preaching messages, we're pointing people to Jesus because we want people to understand that the story that they're in is not about themselves. It's not about them being the hero of their story. Them finding their inner light and becoming a star. Harnessing that from within. That's not the story. The story is we are helpless apart from Jesus. Jesus is the hero of our story. Jesus is the one that goes before us. Jesus is the one that's faithful. And Jesus is the one that's going to lead us on. And Jesus is greater than the chaos of this world. And we need to hear that. We need to tell our people of the story that we profess. And this is what our people need. Leadership in our cultural moment requires that we re-gospel ourselves. We re-gospel our people and ourselves. So this is important. Now, it's not just what we teach. This is important. It's not just what we teach, but what we emphasize. Cultures are created by what we emphasize. And if we emphasize anything other than Jesus, then we're leading our people astray. And our people know what's important to us. Our people know what is most important to us. We can't fake it. And if what is most important to us is our church branding, then our people are going to know it? What is most important to us is how many people we're getting in the room, and our people are going to know it. Our motivation and what is most important to us is going to leak, and everybody's going to know it. And so for leadership in this present moment, we need to be absolutely focused on the person of Jesus. The greatest way that we can serve our people, I've been telling our eldership team this, Right now in the chaos of our current moment, in our world, the greatest way that we can serve our people is every time that we're in front of them or carrying some leadership responsibility, that we serve them by standing in front of them with absolute confidence in our profession. That we stand up before people and we say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I have anchored my hope in him. And I I will not be shaken. And that's the way to serve our people where there's people that are insecure and doubting and wondering what's going on. We can serve our people by placing our confidence in Jesus. It's not just what we teach. It's what we emphasize. Now, I love the gospel. I love, I've learned so much from what you could call the gospel-centered movement. And I've, I've learned a lot about the gospel, but I can look at the gospel-centered movement, guys, and I say, "Wait a second! Like, you're the guys that, like, got you guys get the gospel. Why aren't you more happy? Why don't you have more life?" I mean, this is something that breaks my heart right now because we're leading a church our church doesn't have a bunch of people that are hardcore disciples of Jesus. I, w- I wish that was the case. 100% of our people are just hardcore, sold out for Jesus. Now that's not the case. We have a bunch of nominal Christians attending our church. And what breaks my heart is parents coming in to church, dragging their kids along. And they're thinking that they're doing their kids a service. Well, my kids are going to grow up to be Christians. Yet they don't actually love Jesus themselves. The parents themselves are caught up in a different narrative. And they're thinking that somehow that they're going to bring their kids and their kids are just going to get Jesus. And they're going to get wholehearted devotion to Jesus. No, half-hearted parents are going to reproduce half-hearted disciples. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is parents assume the gospel. The kids deny the gospel. Man. And and leaders do this. How are we going to navigate the complexity of our current chaos if we are not as leaders rooted in Jesus? So we need to tell the next generation And this needs to come from us. We need to demonstrate to the next generation, not just that we can teach the gospel, but that we believe the gospel. We want to have passionate, young generation of kids that are sold out to Jesus. How do we expect to do that if we as leaders are not doing that? We have to model the way. If we want kids jumping up in the front, then we have to model the way. We need to be jumping up in the front be re-gospeling ourselves in a way that we not just learn something, but it changes us. The second thing that Joshua does is Joshua refuses to compromise his allegiance to God. Here's what he says, Joshua 24, 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. In chapter 24, Joshua says, serve the Lord seven times. Just these two verses. And we're told that we are to serve him wholeheartedly. The ESV says that we are to serve him sincerely and with faithfulness. And Joshua is making it abundantly clear that our allegiance is to God alone. That in this moment, Joshua wants the people to know that they must serve the Lord wholeheartedly. In our current cultural moment, if we're going to lead people to health in their Christian faith, if we're going to see healthy churches established, if we're going to plant churches in the midst of a dark time when so many people are leaving the faith, it's going to require... That we serve God with all of our hearts without compromise. In chapter 23, this is important because Joshua gives actually two speeches. 23 is a, a final speech, and then 24 is the final, final speech. Amen. And here's what he says in verse 6 of chapter 23 he says this Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning to the right or to the left. Joshua wants to ensure that the people do not compromise. That there is no room for compromise. That we don't turn to the right or to the left. Right now in the complexity, people are asking questions, going, well, what are we to do? There's so much pressure coming on us as church leaders to compromise positions. There's so much pressure on churches to change their theological distinctives and convictions. And what are we to do in this current cultural moment? Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we are people that are rooted in the gospel, then we are distinct from the people of this world. Our behaviors are distinct. And we shouldn't be surprised that we believe different things and we act different ways. The only difference right now is people that don't have our convictions are mad that we have our convictions. And they're demanding that we change our convictions. So what do we do in this current cultural moment? We choose to not compromise. We don't compromise God's word. What is happening right now, we have three enemies. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can see, you can feel it right now. I don't know if you can feel it or you're you're watching or paying attention. But it just seems like the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all conspiring Against the church in this present moment the world is trying to force its mold on the church trying to get the church to compromise our people within our churches there's people within our churches that are trying to get us to compromise what we believe as followers of Jesus being word people the United Methodist Church right now they they have just voted in, in the last year that People of LGBTQ can be clergy. It's clearly contrary to scripture. And so as a result, 6,000 churches have de-associated from United Methodist. Now, that's good for those 6,000 churches. The massive, huge problem is that that is only one-fifth of the United Methodist Church, meaning four-fifths of the United Methodist Church has said, you know what, we're willing to compromise on this issue. And our biblical ethic right now is under assault. Why are so many people identifying as LGBTQ right now? Why are so many kids struggling with gender dysphoria? And there is a concerted effort, flesh, the world, the devil, to conform our kids into the world's mold. And right now, what we need is leaders who are bold and courageous, that they would stand up in this current cultural moment with confidence, not sheepish, not shy, not timid, not reluctant in this current cultural moment with confidence and say, this is what the word of God says We believe that God is good, and God leads us to the way that is everlasting. He leads us to the good life. We trust in God's way. We don't shy away, and we don't compromise. And we need leaders who are willing to rise up in this moment and speak truth in our moment. Here's another thing that we need. We need leaders who won't compromise on biblical expectations. In our current cultural moment, there's such a temptation where people are uh, compromising their own belief in the Word of God. And so we, as leaders, are so desperate to develop leaders and raise leaders up. And so we're willing to compromise. Man, you're a warm body. And we need a community group leader. Please come. Lead, come And in this cultural moment, we can't compromise on biblical expectations either. It's only going to weaken us. We need to hold to what the biblical qualifications are for an elder. Biblical qualifications for deacons. The biblical qualifications for church membership. Here's here's my uh, cultural commentary of what is happening right now. And I think this is happening. I think what is happening right now... Is there's a lot of people leaving the church and I think that there's a lot of churches that are compromising uh, God's clear biblical teaching and as a result God is repositioning he's repositioning his people for what he's about to do I, I think this is happening I don't think God is surprised by the chaos of our present time I don't think God is like shaken, going oh my gosh I didn't expect 2023 was going to hit this hard i think god knows exactly what he's doing right now and i think some of what god is doing right now is compromise has existed in the church for far too long lukewarm christians have existed for far too long nominal christians have existed for far too long and so what god wants to do is he wants to gather together those that are hot And so he's repositioning people. And so for churches who are compromised, there are faithful believers in those churches. And God is repositioning them to churches who will remain faithful. I think this is happening right now. Man, we're at war. This is wartime. This is not peacetime. 1 Timothy 6, 12 tells us to fight the good fight of faith. And I believe that this is what we are called to do in this moment. Third is this. Are you guys with me? I know I'm intense. I know this message was going to be intense. I know I don't have many jokes for you. I feel the intensity of this message. But I feel like we need to sit with the weight of this. We need to wake up to what is actually happening and not sleep as we're losing people. Third is this. Joshua takes responsibility for others. Joshua 24:15. Here's what it says. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond your phrase or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So this is now turned into like a decoration in a house. Right? I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and there was nice... Um, writing with colors pastel colors and as for me and my house We will serve the Lord And I don't think this was ever meant to be a decoration. I think it's meant to be a declaration, right? I didn't come up with that <laughs> Joshua is turning up the heat. This is what good leadership does Oftentimes we're under the pressure to appease people. We don't want to ruffle people's feathers. Joshua right now is actually serving his people because he actually loves his people. And sometimes leadership requires that you turn up the heat. You have to turn up the contrast. You have to make it very clear for people. Choose life or choose death. Choose to be in or choose to be out. And this is the way that we serve people. Choose. Do you know what you are doing? You're on a slippery slope. That will end in destruction. Like in moments of life or death, niceness and politeness should not be of value. And what Joshua is doing is what we need to do as leaders and communicate the severity of the moments. And the decision that they might be making that would lead to their destruction. This is what Joshua is doing. He's turning up the heat. He's turning up the contrast, and he's making it abundantly clear there is no gray area here. There is no middle ground for you to hang out in. No, you have two options. Either you're in or you're out. So Joshua brings it to bear upon them, and he demands that they choose. He doesn't want a casual answer. No, he wants a wholehearted answer. And this is the moment that we're in. Like we are in. I, I might have said it too many times in our church in the last few months. But I said, listen, if we're too intense for you, if the demand here is too high, if you don't like the fact that we're asking for money for a building um, If you don't like that, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to come in. There's a bunch of other churches go find one of those Because we're not compromising our values And it's not to be like it's not to have bravado. I'm not trying to be rude Just there's a whole bunch of nominal Christians that are influencing the convictions of churches. And we as leaders need to right the ship. Now, your preferences, your desires are not going to steer the ship here. We are wholeheartedly committed to God. We are not no to from us. And here's what Joshua lands with. He says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua takes responsibility, not only for himself, but for his family. And this is one of the best definitions of good leadership. You wanna know what a good leader is? It's a, a leader is someone that takes responsibility for other people. And this contrasts immaturity. It contrasts selfishness. It contrasts weakness. And what kids are, kids, what's childish, is a child cares about themselves. They just care about me. What about me? Feed me. Give all the attention to me. When a child grows up and matures, the way that they demonstrate that is they take responsibility for other people. And here's what Joshua does. He's taking responsibility for his family. And I think in our current cultural moment, what is absolutely required from us is that we take responsibility. I want you to just think for a second. Where you are at right now is because someone took responsibility for you. Someone served you, someone loved you, someone didn't give up on you. Someone cared for you, someone trained you, someone discipled you. And you're, you are who you are today because of another person's investment in your life. And what we need right now is for people who are willing to take responsibility, not just for themselves, not just for their own well-being. What we need right now in this moment is for people to take responsibility of others. Because we are in wartime. We have lost leaders. Leaders have fallen. People, leaders have morally fallen. Leaders have given up. We have lost many leaders. When I was a church planner, I initially started 15 years ago, there are so many heroes, church planning heroes. I mean, I just looked at this at the time of blogs. And every day, I mean, Monday morning, my favorite thing to do was like look at all the blogs of all the you know superstar pastors and what they're doing in their church plants and reading it. I mean it's been hours The majority of those guys I'm not I'm not joking the majority of those guys the overwhelming majority of those guys are not leading churches anymore They have fallen morally or they have given up and quit or they have died or they have committed suicide We are in a wartime we have lost so many of our leaders And the mission that God is calling to isn't getting smaller. It's getting bigger. We're losing leaders and the mission is growing right now. What we need is leaders. We have a leadership deficit. We need leaders who are willing to take responsibility. So in this room, Many of you have taken responsibility for people. And you're like, man, I'm so tired of taking responsibility of these people. Gosh, man, it's like I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm leading an infant class. Changing diapers, that's all I do around here. I'm talking about adults, right? Immature adults. Task isn't easy. Task is great. But I do think that in this time, in this wartime, God is taking us, calling us to take responsibility for more people than we're presently taking responsibility for. And I think maybe some of you have been reluctant to lead a community group in your church. You're just, man, I'm I'm caring for too many people already. I can't carry more people. Man, right now, take responsibility. Some people know your next step for you is to become an elder. You're like, man, I want that responsibility. And we're wartime. We need you. We're fighting for the next generation. We're fighting for people to come to faith. Schindler's List. We know the movie. I've only seen it once because I just can't watch that movie more than once. But this dramatic scene. The whole movie is he's saving so many Jews. And as the story goes on, he's... Spending more and more money to save more and more Jews. And at the end of it, he sees and witnesses all these people's lives that he saved. And his response was, I could have saved more. I could have saved more. And that's haunting. Because we have one life, you guys. We have one life. And I know we're all busy. I know we're all overwhelmed. There's not a person in this room that doesn't feel overwhelmed. But our life is short. It's so short. When we get to the end of our life, what are we going to say, "Man, I could have taken responsibility for more people"? Man, this isn't to condemn anybody. I I, I pray that God breathes life into us in this moment because God hasn't left us alone. He's given us all all that we need. All that we need. To be in this moment. God knows the exact times and places with which he calls. us. He's called us here. He's gathered us together. He's placed us in the church that we're called to. There's a plan for each one of us. And God is inviting us into his story. Now, I just want us to open up our ears to maybe what God is calling you. Have you been so resistant to God adding anything more to your plate? That it's turned into a hard no. And right now you're in a position where you're saying no to Jesus asking you to take the next step. And I am encouraged. If we look to Jesus, Jesus took responsibility for me. He took responsibility for me. He went on, he went to the cross, died in my place. That I can be forgiven, that I can be reconciled to the Father. He took responsibility for me. My life forever is going to be with Him, secure, secure within all eternity. We're going to be there together. And the goal for us is who are we bringing with us? Who are we going to take responsibility? Who are we going to lead to the Lord? Who are we going to lead to be disciples of Jesus? lead to become leaders, lead to become church planners. And this is the challenge I feel right now. So would you please stand? The band can come on up. I'm going to have you play a song. And then at the same time, we just we love some give an opportunity for prophetic words. I just want to be led by the Spirit for the next 20, 30 minutes. Let's like lean into this moment. Maybe i put you to sleep right now. Let's, um, let's just turn our attention to God and ask Him for help in this moment. Would you pray with me? God, we ask, God, we ask that you'd help us. Thank you that there's no condemnation in you, God. So I would hate it if anybody right now feels condemned or feeling like they're less than because they're not doing enough. God, we don't want any of that. We don't want any manipulation. We don't want any force. But God, we do want to listen to what you're saying. We want to be the church and the people that are attentive to your voice. God, we know that our current cultural moment doesn't surprise you. That you're not shaking, that you're not fearful, that you're not concerned. Jesus, you know exactly what you're doing in this moment. God, you're leading your people on in this moment. I pray that we would be the people that listen to your voice clearly, God. That we listen attentively to your voice and, and we would be the people that listen and obey. We'd be the people that when you speak, we move. Our response is not to question you or, or to delay what you've spoken to us. God, we wanna be the people that hear your voice and move when you speak. God, help us. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. We ask right now Lord, that you just help us by your spirit. Bring. Would you allow your spirit to flow through this room and just fill us fresh. Comfort us. Encourage us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, where we have been battle-weary. So many people in this room battle-weary. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of changing diapers. I'm tired of taking care of people. Pray, Lord, that you would just give us fresh faith. Encourage us deeply, God. God, would you strengthen us in a way that we're ready to go back in, back into the battlefield back into the mission that you've called us to. God, would you speak to us, more, Bring encouragement to our hearts. In Jesus' name, let's sing to Him.